You're listening to Right Where You Are, hosted by New York Times bestselling author, creator, and speaker, Jason Wright. With inspiring guest interviews and Jason's unique lens on life, this is the place to see the good in the world, to lift and be lifted, no matter your starting point, to make a difference that matters. And we'll do it all together, right where you are. Hello, friends. Welcome to Right Where You Are. This is Jason Wright, and I'm so glad that you're here. As always, I start with a quick favor at the top of the show. If you'd take just a second to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to the podcast today, I'd be so grateful. That is how we grow the show. All right. I met today's guest for the first time about five years ago when I was hired to write the script for a short film that one of my publishers, Desert Book, was producing to celebrate their 150-year anniversary. I was uh, looking for someone particularly bubbly and energetic and just full of life uh, for one specific moment uh, in this film, and preferably an employee of the company. And the producer of the project, Laurel Christensen Day, who's now actually the president of the publisher of Desert Book, who's just a, a fantastic friend and a great leader, she said, oh, Jason, do I know the person. Go downstairs, go across the street into our flagship store, their retail store, and ask for Emily. And when you walk in, you might not even need to ask because you might hear her. That is just how much life uh, she brings to work every day. And so I did, and Laurel was right, and just wow, we had this instant friendship. And look, Emily's journey has been unusual. Uh, She's had one of the most special friendships that you'll ever hear about. She'll share the details here in a minute. Uh, A very unlikely friendship. And while this friendship was unfolding over the last several years, she had not one or two or three, but four traumatic brain injuries that nearly ended her life. She is also an award-winning pianist, and hopefully she'll talk about that. My friend, her name is Emily Farmer, and I am so honored that she's here right where you are. Hello, Emily. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, so excited. So excited that you're here. Now, me too. let's dive right in to four brain injuries. How <laughs> is that? And you're laughing. I'm glad because four is a, you know, one seems like a lot, Emily. Doesn't it? Oh, exactly. Like one or maybe two. And you all think, oh, never have to go through that again. But but no, you're selfish. (laughs) You're so selfish. You said, I want four. In one year. Yeah. I mean four. (laughs) I don't even know how that's possible. But but you know what? Let's start. Let's actually start with Mac. Because I think this sets up so much of of our friendship and some of the interesting interviews and and things that have come out about you uh, for you over the last several years. So tell us a little bit about Mac. Yeah. So it all started with an unexpected pit stop. Um, One day I was just outside running, doing my normal jog and I'd run down the same street for like three months, you know, never thought anything of it. And when I was jogging, all of a sudden I heard this really loud voice and it said, go in and ask if you could play the piano. And I was like, what? And I had music playing with earbuds. So I took out the earbud and I turned my head and I saw this care center on the right side. And I thought, oh, it's like, okay, well, 
I'll go in and ask if I can play the piano tomorrow. I'm in the middle of my run. I want to keep going. And so then I put my earbud back in, my music starts playing again, and I take a few steps and the voice came again. And it said, go in and ask if you can play the piano now. So I was like, okay. So still in my running clothes, I go into the care center and I was like, hey, like, do you ever let people come and play the piano? And they're like, yeah, why don't you play for us right now? So I was like, oh, okay. So here I am still in my workout clothes, sweaty, and I sit on the piano bench and I just start playing. I have no idea what I'm doing there. And all of a sudden, as I'm playing, in walks this old gentleman with a little pep to step and he comes to my, the piano I'm playing at and he says, hey, when does the show start? And I was like, excuse me? Like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I was like, I'm just playing a song. And he's like, no, when does the show start? And he sat on the piano bench and that's where it all started. And so I started talking to the sweet gentleman. I found out his name was Mac. And as we were talking, his conversations were so funny. He was so with it. He just had me laughing, the questions he was asking. And so I was so impressed by him that I said, hey, like, how old are you? He's then replies, 99. And I was totally shocked. Like, first off, I'd never met someone that old in my entire life. And I never met someone that was so with it, like his memory, his brain, everything. And so I was like, well, when do you turn 100 years old? And he kind of got a little quiet and he was like, uh, six months. But he's like, I don't really care to live till 100. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, this is uh, like, no one hardly ever lives till 100 years old. I was like, you've got to keep living till 100. And he's like, eh. And so I said, that's it. So I said, I'm going to come once a week and play the piano for you and keep you alive until you're 100 years old. And I myself was really shocked by that because I am not a person that makes really deals with people or anything. And so literally, as I said that afterwards, I was like, oh my gosh, like, what did I just promise this man that I don't even know who he is, like anything about his life really. And so, and that's when it clicked. That's when everything, we became instant friends. And so I started going to play for Mac once a week. And, but that quickly turned into every day we became instant friends that I would go and stop and see him on my jog every day. We would, I would play some tunes for him and then um, be on my way. Well, shortly after playing for him, then he mentioned, well, do you know that I play harmonica? And I was like, no, like, that's awesome. And not really knowing much about the harmonica. I was like, well, that's cool. And, you know, I kind of moved on. Well, he brought it the next day I came and he started playing some songs with me. And I was just amazed. So what ended up happening is we would then play songs together and the residents that lived in that care center would come and gather around the piano. And it turned into this super fun event that every time I'd come, they would notice I was there. They'd all gather around the piano and we would just start playing songs for each other. And some of them would be getting out of their wheelchairs, you know, just swaying back and forth. Some of them would be singing to the songs. And it truly was just such a light that I had no idea was something I needed in my life. Isn't that interesting that sometimes we have these experiences that we have no idea how much we needed them until we look in the rearview mirror? Now, sometimes we have these tremendous blessings that we pray for, we're looking for, and when they come, it's like, thank you. Like, this is exactly what I needed when I needed it, and I was waiting with patience and faith for it. And then other times we have these experiences like you've just described where you're like, I have no idea when I leave my house that morning that I'm going to go on a jog like I have countless other mornings in my life. And my life is going to be completely different forever because of this 
spiritual impression that leads you in to meet this, you know, it's just phenomenal. I love it. I love your perspective. And what's interesting is, so I have a picture of growing up when I was eight months old, my mom would stick me in a high chair at the piano and I would just sit there and plunk at the keys. And so the piano has always just been a part of my life from a real young age. And then I professionally started taking piano lessons when I was eight and I um, play by ear. And so my whole life, I'm really used to honestly, the spirit just guiding me and be like, Hey, you need to go play that piano over there, or you need to go play a song for this person. And so to be honest, when the voice came, it wasn't a surprise as in like, you need to play the piano. I was surprised that it came while music was playing and while he was running. But the fact that I was told to go play the piano, I thought, Oh, this isn't anything new to me. Yeah. I'm happy to do it, you know, but I'll like finish my run. But what was just amazing to me is that one stop of how impactful that has been on my life. Cause like, as you mentioned, usually the blessing comes or I would play the one song and you know, life goes on and then I would move on. But this one, just made the difference in my life that I, that God knew I needed. Yeah. He, he just knows, obviously he knows what we need long before we do, but <laughs> so long before and the long people before. in a place in our pack, he knows who we need to. Yeah. Well, and I, I feel so fortunate that I had the opportunity to meet him as well. As you recall, I was in town a year or two later um, and went by the assisted living facility where he was and had a chance to go in and say hello and take a photo and hear him play his harmonica for a minute. I think you were working and couldn't, couldn't make it by, but I just, just, uh, but he was so happy to see you and so excited. And when I went after work that day, he's like, guess who I got to meet? He's like the famous Jason. Oh, please. So glad. Yeah. And it's funny because I was saying to you, guess who I got to meet? The famous (laughs) Mac. You just couldn't, you couldn't be around him and not, you know, and not feel feel some joy. So before we, we kind of move on from Mac, tell us then about this album and how this comes together and a couple of your collaborations. Yeah. So um, it, like I mentioned before, I would start going to play every day for him. We became best buds and we'd play music for people. And it started that people would start saying, Hey, would you play at my funeral? Hey, would you come play at this event for us? And so Mac and I would start going around and we'd speak at events and we'd start playing our music together for them. And then um, Mac turned 100 years old and it was such a milestone that we were so excited. And I remember on his 100th birthday, he like turned to me and he was like, so now what? He's like, what are we going to do next? And I was like, I don't know. Like, it was just my goal to get you to 100. Like, I didn't know that was going to be possible. And it was so cool to see how once that milestone and um, people knew that we started playing, it just grew and grew. And it was such special memories that I had with him that I thought, you know, I want to go to recording studio and record these songs just so I can have for myself. Like when he passes, like I would love to have these. And so we went to a recording studio and it was a really cool event. We found out that he was the oldest person that had ever been in that recording studio. And we were able to record some songs. And then, you know, I just um, set him aside and life went on. And um, so two years later, at this point, Mac and I are continue still playing for these people. And um, that was when I actually got my first brain injury. And when I got that brain injury, it was just like, I mean, life was dark. It was hard. It was really painful. And Mac was still here. And it was just so amazing how no matter what, Mac would always just say, he's like, Emily, remember, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And I was like, okay, like, 
I'll remember that, you know, like I'm sure I'll get better from this and life will go on. And, but there was something that people didn't know that when Mac said that quote, it truly was from his heart because Mac was actually blind himself. So he started going blind at 99 years old and then went completely blind while, um, when he went 100 years old. And so at, you know, at this age, he was now 102 when I received my first brain injury. And he told me this, and I truly knew that coming from him for someone that had experienced being blind the last few years of his life, that he knew that if you had a post, you had a purpose and it was for a reason. And so that really helped me. I thought, okay, well, I'll be able to continue going on through this. And, um, at this time I wasn't able to see Mac very much because, of my brain injuries and I was in recovery and I had to move home with my parents to have some help with healing, but I would call him every day and we'd have all these, we'd have these conversations every night and they're what like honestly kept me going. Um, and then three months later, I ended up getting another brain injury, just something that is really unfamiliar to people. Like even to myself of who would think like we had talked about before, not only one brain injury, but then we have a second, third and a fourth. And it's just something like super rare. And I remember talking to Mac again one day on the phone and he was just like, remember, he's like, you have a purpose here and one day you'll know why. And I was like, okay, like, I'm not sure how to answer or respond to that, but okay. And then um, a few months later, actually, uh, Mac had passed away. And I remember the last thing that Mac said to me before he passed, he said, remember our promise. And something that Mac and I had promised each other is that we were going to share our music with the world to bring people joy and make them happy. And so when Mac told me that, I knew that I had to do whatever I could to keep that promise. But fast forward, like I ended up getting another brain injury after he passed away and just life was really bleak. Like it seemed like I had no purpose to live. What was my point? Just to exist here in pain and in sorrow and despair and when I was in my darkest moment, um, you know, I had experienced some suicidal stuff and depression, and et cetera, et cetera. And I remember as Mac promise and it came to me and it said, remember our promise that you were going to keep sharing our music with the world. And so I remember that promise that I'd made to him. And I was like, okay, like I've got to do that for Mac. And so every day I would just try to work a little on the album that um, I decided to put together from the music that we had recorded in the studio. And then with some, a few other songs that I had arranged previously. And then I just really felt impacted from some songs that needed to be on that album. And God was amazing. And some memory issues that I'd struggled with before, once I had decided that I needed to keep that promise, God like brought that back slowly by slowly that I was able to remember at like piano, how to play it and stuff. And so I was able to create some songs as well and then finish this album. And so it was a really exciting thing. I was super excited that I was able to keep, keep Max promise and I was going to do it for him. And the day that our album got released um, was when we were in the middle of the pandemic when the whole world was struggling with the darkness and the bleak. And at that time, I mean, there was no book signings. There was no um, parties for an album release. We'd released it in Desert Book, and I was so beyond excited to have an album there and to have Mac on it in the album. And But it was like a really interesting time for the whole world. Like, who knew what was going to happen? And so um, after the release, I still felt like I needed to try harder to keep his promise. And I thought, how can I share his music 
our music with the world to bring people joy and happiness. And I felt inspired that I needed to go drop our album off at people's doorsteps. So I was able to go drop the album off at people that we had played for or events or people that were in his assisted living center. And that was seriously one of the greatest things to experience in my time that I was going through these trials was to see the light that we were able to bring to people by having that album for those who remembered Mac or those who didn't even know Mac, that they felt like it was truly something that they needed in their life. That's so cool. I'm trying to, I'm trying to imagine, has there been another album where there's a collaboration between a 99 year old now hundred year old, right. At the time and 20 something year old, (laughs) probably not. You probably have to really dig deep to find anything, you know, even close. Uh, There's this beautiful, you know, collaboration with Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett, which is, which is pretty special. Um, but you know, he's, he's 95 and she's, she's <laughs> probably a decade older than you are as my guest. So yeah, it's, it's pretty remarkable, Emily. What a, what an interesting experience. I, I love that, you know, the, that God just knew exactly what you would need to get mm-hmm. through a series of trials that most of us just, you know, will never have to even comprehend the long sort of live through. So t- tell me about the last of these injuries um, about the accident. Yeah. So the fourth brain injury was definitely a shock <laughs> to all, you know, like you, my doctor, you, we were just like, how, like how in the world did I get another one? And they were all out of my control um, caused by some automobile accidents and things like that. Just, things that you just never even heard of. And that was honestly one of the harder ones for me to come and get through because that's when I really felt like I had been forgotten by God. You know, I had lost my best friend who had helped me through the previous other ones. And um, just life was really different for me at that time. And so I thought, how in the world am I going to get through this? And to be honest, it's actually Mac's motto again, where he said, if you had a pulse, you have a purpose. And so I've really tried to live by that daily that, you know, if I'm still here, there's a reason. And so every day I need to find someone that I can help through this day. And honestly, that brain injury, the fourth one was really also really let me wondering if God even knew who I was, like if God cared about me, if God, you know, why did God allow these things to happen? But I've learned it's through our trials that that's truly when we learn who we are, that's who we truly come to know God, that he hasn't abandoned us and that it's all for a purpose. One of my um, favorite words that has helped me through this trial is the word hope Um, stands for, in my mind, of hold on pain ends. And so like whatever the pain is that you are going through, whether it's physical or emotional or mental to hold on because it does end. We just don't know the timetable, but that's part of life is learning to trust. So Mac actually ended up living until he was 103 years old. And that was just something that's really unheard of and the miracles and all of that. And the time that I was able to have with him and we were towards the end, we were able to shoot some music videos together, which I'm really grateful for and cherish having those. And So not only do I have those with him, but I have our album and so many memories with him that I was super grateful for. But 
he taught me that also, you know, in life, you never know at what age are trials that you're going to go through, but we just have to endure and we have to hold on because the light does come and that hope does come. What do you think Mac would say if he were sitting there next to you today (laughs) during this interview? (laughs) By the way, he might be right. He might be. You know, I've had some really special moments during this recovery that when I ended in the ER with some complications a few months ago with my brain and stuff like that, like I knew he was there. I just felt like Mac was there constantly just like watching over me. And so I feel so grateful that um, I have him on the other side. I know one thing is he would definitely be like, aren't you going to find a husband? Because he took it upon himself (laughs) to be my dating consultant. I I remember that. Yeah. And so he tried so hard. And so I told him before he passed, I was like, hey, you keep your end of the deal then if you're going to find me a man because I kept you alive until 100. But I think something that he would tell me is honestly to just be happy and to spread your light and your gift, whatever that is. And for me, that's my music. But for whoever, you know, share that gift that you have. Mac had such a gift that you would honestly never know he was blind or that when he didn't feel good because he was always just so happy and he always made whoever came around him. He just made sure that they knew that he was their friend and that he cared for them. Yeah. He, he had this joy uh, in his countenance that was hard to, hard to miss. You just every photo, every video. And, you know, even my brief visit with him, the one time I met him face to face, you just walked in the room and he just sort of beamed uh, hope and, and joy, which we need a whole lot more of in the world. Tell me, tell me what's next for you, Emily. What are you working on now? So I'm actually working on a Christmas album. Oh, snazzy. Yeah. And there's actually going to be a little surprise on that. So I can't tell you what that is, but (laughs) I'm really excited for it. Um, Is it, is it me singing? Is it me singing on the album? Maybe we should work on that. (laughs) No, rapping, rapping on the album, a little freestyle. We should try this. We should. After the interview, though, for sure. That's exciting. Uh, Yeah, so I have a Christmas album coming out. And then through this trial, I've actually been able to write some really impactful songs for some singles that I'm going to release that um, just really have a message about life and our trials and God and hope that I'm really excited to release. So working on that as well. Very cool. Very cool. So we arrive at the last two questions and my loyal listeners already know what's coming. So the first of the last two is this, what does right where you are even mean to you? It's, it's the name of this strange podcast, a name that came up after a very long family discussion that spanned um, face-to-face emails, text messages for a long, long time until we sort of finally landed on this right where you are, W-R-I-G-H-D, of course. So what does that phrase mean to you? I love that. I really like the name of this podcast because honestly, in life, we you don't know what your life is going to look like tomorrow or even the end of today. Right where you are, you need to learn that whatever you're going through, whatever trial or experience you're having is our greatest teacher in life. I love this quote. This is life is about picking up the broken pieces, 
learning how to mend them again and finding joy in the journey. And whatever you're going through, like right where you are, learn to find or pick up those broken pieces that you're experiencing or that are bothering you and learn how to mend them again and find that joy because it brings such peace that right where you are, you feel like you can keep going. Mm, mm, I like that a lot. Well, um, we're at the end. Emily Farmer, at the end of your journey, when you're 103 years old. <laughs> I hope I don't live to 103. <laughs> and you and your you and your husband are are sailing off into the sunset of this life. You know, this this interview and the other many interviews you've done will be just memories for most of us. But if you could pick one thing, just one thing that you would want your audience, my audience, the world to remember about you and your journey, what would that one thing be? What is Emily Farmer's one thing? Find someone to serve. That has been truly the biggest blessing in my life and the key to help you get through anything. Again, it goes back to the quote that I feel like is my motto for my life that Mac taught me that if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And all of us, I mean, if you're here today, your heart is beating, you have a pulse, you have a purpose and there's a reason. And I love this quote that says the best antidote for worry is work. The best medicine for despair is service. The best cure for weariness is to help someone even more tired. So go out and find someone to serve. You may not even realize it's the neighbor next to you, maybe someone in your family. And yeah, they may not be 99 years old when you meet them, or they may be someone so much younger than me, but they're reason that you crossed paths with them. And I really hope people will take that upon them to find someone to serve. Mm, you know, this is episode 25, I think. And that's probably the most unusual answer to that question I've gotten. Um, some really? of the answers are very similar. That one, I love that idea that we just find someone to serve and look outward. That's that's beautiful. Well, Emily, you are just a light in the world. Your music and your faith and your journey, I just think, have brought hope to many and will continue to bring hope to many. Of course, I will post links to all of the good things that you're doing in the show notes so people can come find you and follow you and engage with you, uh, particularly on social media. And just thank you for for being you and for giving us some time today on the podcast. You're the best. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Thank you for joining us on Right Where You Are. For more information about Jason and his projects, visit him online at jasonfright.com or on social media at facebook.com slash jfwbooks or on Instagram at jasonfright. And be sure to subscribe to Right Where You Are wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This has been a production of Wright Media Productions, copyright 2021 by Jason F. Wright. All rights reserved.